welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we are going to be talking about how to change to win. Many of you are on some path to change, of change. Um, you're transforming your businesses, you're transforming your departments, you're transforming the service that you provide to customers. Um, and we know that change is very important, but can be challenging. So um, today on the podcast, I'm excited to welcome Ria Sitar. He is an accomplished business strategist, transformation expert, operational excellence leader, and project and change man management professional, who is also the author of the new book, Change to Win. Rias, welcome to the Future Field Service podcast. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me here. Thanks for being here. So before we dig into the conversation about change and how to change to win, um, tell our listeners a bit about yourself. Well, I, I, I have been in the uh, project management, transformation, business optimization field for the past 25 years or so. Um, I studied in finance and then I, I, I moved into project management and turnaround and transformation, being inspired by, by, by a couple of CEOs who have seen uh, doing magic at their organizations, uh, turning around their businesses and, 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 and moving them from, from, uh, from uh, uh, deficient to, to, profit, to profitable. So um, I, I, I worked for different companies um, like General Electric, uh, DHL Express, Caesars Entertainment. I also have done some work for companies like uh, Dan and the Yogurt Company, Maple Leaf Foods in Canada, some other smaller organizations as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I like uh, that you refer to it as magic. Um, because it certainly does seem that way sometimes. Uh, I wrote an article not too long ago talking about, you know, how much of this is art and how much of it is science, right? And it's, it's really a little bit of both, um, but there might be some magic sprinkled in there too, for sure. Um, good. So, uh, you know, as I said, you know, I've been um, in, in this space for about 14-ish uh, years, um, and there's so much change that's happened. And while it is, um, you know, really exciting in a lot of ways, uh, I realize that it is also um, incredibly taxing and challenging for the people that are, are required to spearhead that change. So one of the things that, you know, happens, I think, is that people and or companies or both can get sort of stuck in the Nope, we've always done it this way. We can keep doing it this way mentality. Um, and as the pace of change, I think in the overall environment speeds, you know, those people with that mentality sort of fall further and further behind. So what do you see in that regard? Like how many of those people or organizations do you think there are compared to those that are willing to embrace change? And what is it do you think that keeps people kind of stuck in that mindset? Excellent question, Sarah. So um, we are part of a constant change. Um, the, 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 the problem though is though, I think over the past maybe 20 years or so, that change has accelerated significantly. And I have to say probably over the past maybe year now with COVID, things have even accelerated at a much uh, faster pace. 
um, the the issue that I see most of the time is like as as human beings and even like businesses, we start um, small. We we start aggressive. We want to conquer the world. We want to learn things. We want to do something good. Uh, so we reach a point where we actually are successful and, and doing very well. And then we start building walls around us and build that comfort zone. Mm-hmm. So, so as, as we think that we are now great and we know everything and we are doing very well, we start to get very kind of complacent a little bit, maybe the, the term, and maybe a little bit of a resistant to change because we now have this comfort zone. We feel happy and easy and safe and familiar and, 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 and the newer companies that are now coming with like um, cutting edge technology and, and like they're nimble, they're coming uh, now with their own phase of, you know, uh, phase of, uh, call it conquering the, 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 the new world. Mm-hmm. So, so that's kind of where they start to, to get into the, the you know, get into the, the, the customer mindset a lot easier and maybe adapt quicker while we are kind of somehow stuck in that comfort zone. So I feel that organizations who, that, that, that feel that change is a threat Mm-hmm. Um, may may suffer versus the ones who actually see the change is is an opportunity uh, generally succeed. They mm-hmm. try to get out of that comfort zone to learn in kind of new tricks. They kind of expose themselves a little bit into that danger zone, and then to that learning zone. And then they start realizing their new growth zone. Once they mm-hmm. get into that limit, they look back and they will say. Why did I not start earlier? I wish mm-hmm. I started earlier. Oh my God, I don't believe I was kind of locked in that comfort zone. I, mm-hmm. I now I see a whole new horizon. So, so this, this is kind of what you just mentioned because this is what I refer to in my book, Change to Win. I, I kind of asked the leaders, do you know what the business death sentence is? Mm-hmm. It's actually a sentence that business leaders and, 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 uh, and owners often repeat, which is we have always done it this way. That mm-hmm. sentence becomes their own death sentence, mm-hmm. their business death sentence. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really good perspective. I think you could almost say that there's even a less obvious death sentence of today's businesses, which is it's working well. Right. So to the point you just you just mentioned, you know, there's if you look at this almost as a continuum. Right. I mean, there's these people that are no, we're in our comfort zone. We've always done it this way. We're going to continue to do it this way, either out of fear or pride or ego or complacency, whatever those things are. And then there's people who don't perceive themselves as averse to change but have achieved that level of success you referred to where they say, no, I mean, we did innovate and we're doing great. So we can kind of, you know, uh, stop it here and, and just, you know, bask in our success. Um, reminds me of a conversation I had with, with a gentleman uh, named Say, who at the time was with Cisco. We talked about, you know, weighing the decision of disruption, right? So when do you decide to disrupt things? Um, But talking about the fact that in the world we live in today, as prevalent and fast as innovation occurs, if you wait until you've recognized the need to change, to change, you're at best keeping pace, right? And if 
So for you to really be ahead of the curve, you need to be doing it when you are successful, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, you see, the thing is, there are kind of maybe two phases here. The first phase is realizing that you actually have to change and realize that fact, because again, you're, you're faced with market conditions, um, um, you're faced with customer demands, with newer technologies, with competition, uh, with, with a higher input costs, with new mergers and acquisitions in your industry that are posing threats, maybe with crisis and catastrophic events like COVID-19 and else. Mm-hmm. So you realize that there is a, a need for change. So this is kind of the first hurdle. You realizing that, okay, well, I have to change, right? That's the one thing. Because many people do not actually realize that 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 shift. And to your point, they will just get stuck with like, well, it had worked in the past. Maybe we just need to continue. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you can still maybe are able to succeed. At, at the limited, uh, you know, success kind of uh, factor here, or but 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 how about maybe if we can multifold, you know, <laughs> maybe if we can increase that success. Maybe, mm-hmm. How about how about maybe you don't really yet realize the opportunities you have, and maybe that success that you currently enjoy has a limitation. Maybe a couple of years, three, four years. If you do not do something about it today, you would be mm-hmm. really behind uh, in a, in a couple of years or so. So that's kind of the first hurdle realizing that you actually need to get out of that comfort zone and 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 get into that change the 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 issue that we find most of the time is that companies and individuals leave that comfort sometimes when they realize that they need to change okay they say okay got it we 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 decided to change they leave that comfort zone they get exposed a little bit into that danger zone they hit the brake and they go back to their comfort zone, mm-hmm. right? So, so because they they see so many issues, I mean, we can talk a, a lot about this. They they may have legacy systems, they may have issues with their uh, culture and internal culture, maybe this mm-hmm. industry, whatever it is. They so they pull back, they without really uh, continuing that momentum, mm-hmm. and that's kind of another aspect of okay, you start the change and somehow you either face some limitations and you decide to pull back or you're stuck in that like endless kind of, you know, gray phase, which is like always not, not reaching your, your, your future state. You're kind of always um, lingering in that like interim state, which is, mm-hmm. which is like what we sometimes we, we get stuck into. Right. So there, mm-hmm. there's like really those two phases I, I really feel happening. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So if we look at sort of the the differing opinions or emotions around change, so you have people that feel that view it as a threat, uh, and then you have people that view it as an opportunity. And by let's use the term people and businesses interchangeably in this context, right? So what do you think is the key to shifting the mindset to perceiving change more as an opportunity than a threat? You know, I mean, these days, if we don't change really, I don't know how long we would be able to survive. I mean, the the thing is with, with, with everything that is happening to us, I mean, Again, like I hate to always refer to COVID-19, but like, you know, because this is kind of where we are at this point of time. But when you're faced with something like this, the companies who are nimble or that are nimble and able to like adapt quickly, those are the ones that are actually 
uh, increasing their market uh, reach. They're increasing their market segments. They're 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 uh, hitting a high uh, record uh, record breaking profits because those are the ones who actually were able to adapt quickly and and leverage the new environment to their advantage. So mm -hmm. so if you do not really change, there's so many companies that just filed for bankruptcy because they mm -hmm. couldn't really adapt to that change. I'm just giving you an example. So it it is really a necessity, but at the same time. I always go back to the vision of the senior leadership team or the owner of that organization. Mm -hmm. Are they there for the long term? Are they there for like years and decades and generations? Or are they there for like months or maybe just a couple of years? I guess it depends on their priorities. So mm -hmm. that vision and mission really set the tone. If their mission, mission and vision is long term, then yes, let, let, we, they need to figure out how they can leverage those those uh, threats and kind of turn them into opportunities. And I always also, also refer to this as reversing the risk from negative risk to positive risk mm -hmm. and, and kind of capitalize on those and, and kind of potentially either introduce a new product line, a new service, a new way of thinking, a new culture, a new innovation uh, uh, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit more about that concept of negative risk versus positive risk, and maybe just contextualize that a little bit more for the listeners and talk about why one is, is, is really good for the business and the other is not right. You know, like talk about that a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Look, when, when, when you are in, in any market environment, you, there are just so many Again, factors, uh, new interest to the markets, new new globalization is another one, right? You know, now we're kind of borderless, you know, with the, uh, the internet and we're connectivity. I mean, companies in China and India and somewhere they're like competing for the same product and services that are, that, you know, with the, the companies that are in here in the United States because they can uh, uh, provide kind of maybe similar services, maybe maybe not the pro product, like physical product, but maybe a service to, per se. Mm -hmm. So so how can you compete, you know, when you're coming, when you're seeing all those companies who are providing the same or similar uh, service or product at a fraction of a cost, how can mm -hmm. you? So, so this, you see this as a risk and then you come back and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to lose my, my, my business if I don't do anything about it. So how can I leverage that as, as an opportunity? M many times when, when, when we are the only company in the field, we don't really need to innovate. We don't really need to think outside of the box. We don't really need to bring, to, we, need to, we don't need to bring new products or services. We're just happy because mm -hmm. we're the only ones. But the, the interesting element is when we are faced with threats, the companies that generally succeed will take those as an input and they start to, to, to generate uh, even more products or complementary services or something similar to that, that would make them uh, um, superior in that marketplace mm -hmm. and would enjoy even a better profit margin and a better customer uh, segment uh, and, and, and so on and so forth. So, I think this is kind of, you know, when I refer to the negative risk, uh, kind of turning that into a positive risk, 
that is particularly a, 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 a something that those market leaders, and again, you don't need to be a market leader sometimes. Maybe you don't have the capital or the money to be a market leader. You can probably be a, a strong follower. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can see a, a leader in the market who is doing something, and then you kind of learn from their mistakes, and then you go there and capitalize on that, and you become also successful in your in your, in your your industry. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the point here is, it's, we should never stop. We should always seek improvement. And that's how we call it continuous improvement. You should mm -hmm. always seek how you uh, seek opportunities to improve, whether in innovation, whether in technology, whether in, in reprocessing, maybe, maybe in like different um, uh, people like training and, and bringing your, your people's skill set to another level, you mm -hmm. know, whatever it is, it's a people process technology and data. Mm -hmm. So talk about data also in, in, in a second, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So I like that point of negative risk versus positive risk. Um, and uh, all right. So let's talk a little bit, Rias, about the, the insight you provide in the book. Um, so we're talking about how businesses can succeed in transforming operations to meet evolving market demand. So how can they change to win? Um, so, uh, you talk about some different elements that, that you, um, you know, people need to address with, with some balance. So let's kind of walk through these a bit. So we have strategy, delivery mechanism, um, and culture and change management. So talk a, a little bit about each of those and, um, you know, obviously you can't give the, the contents of the book away in a 30 minute podcast, but, you know, give us, uh, give us some, some food for thought. Yeah. Uh, so remember, we just talked about realizing the need for change and, and, and bringing that mindset that I, I need, or as a business, I need to do something safer, better, faster, maybe mm -hmm. cheaper, right? So, so let's say you recognize that needs and 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 again like there's a whole section in the book about okay resistance to change and what that means and so on and so forth but let's say you realize that yes i need to change many companies they 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 realize that need they hire consultants they put need presentations they assign fat budget for that transformation they tell their employees that they need to change and then a few months later poof nothing happens or mm -hmm. they, it happens very very slowly so there they the, what I noticed was there is this three, I call it the three legacy tools in my book, which is, as, we, as you just mentioned, the strategy, the delivery, and culture. Mm -hmm. So um, I would actually like to explain this in an example. So suppose, wh where are you located at, Sarah, now? I'm, I'm in Pennsylvania. Okay, so you're in Pennsylvania, and you decided to go to New York City. Mm -hmm. And and uh, you have a powerful vehicle, a good engine, a powerful vehicle, and you hit the road, but you don't have a northern star. You don't have a navigation system. You don't have a map. Mm -hmm. You don't have a strategy. You don't have a, a vision uh, where you're going. You may end up in Miami, mm -hmm. not in New York City, because, again, you don't have that northern star that guides you. You have a powerful engine. You're doing work. You're burning tires. You're burning fuel. You're wasting time. But you end up in, in a whole different place. Uh, and, and that may not be ideal. That place may be actually not optimal for you it, or it could, it could present some danger as, mm -hmm. as well for your business. So the first thing I talk about is let's have a set strategy. Let's make sure that our strategy is good and it's aligned and we have a good solid roadmap mm -hmm. for the future. So now suppose that you have that roadmap. 
uh, but you don't have a good vehicle. Mm -hmm. And that vehicle uh, stalls every few miles or so, run out of gas, you know, there's something wrong with tires or whatever, or mechanics. And, and you, may never, you may never reach your, 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 your destination. Even if you know exactly where you're going and you have mm -hmm. the perfect roadmap, you may never reach that destination. And, and you may actually uh, um, reach, that, uh, reach, uh, reach that destination, but it would probably be too late. Mm -hmm. That boat may have sailed. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so you may need to have that balance between, okay, I have the right strategy. Now I have that good delivery mechanism. Mm -hmm. And in business, you cannot do things alone. You need to have people around you. You need to have people smarter than you and better than you and to, to help you uh, deliver your objectives. So you need to have, or you should have uh, the, the good culture uh, mm -hmm. that you can build so that people will not jump ship uh, along, along the, that, that journey. And then you will be alone and probably never make it to the finish line. So that's mm -hmm. why you always need to have that kind of equilibrium or maybe balance between strategy efforts, uh, delivery efforts, and, and cultural efforts. Sometimes mm -hmm. you put way too much money and efforts on strategy, but we don't do a good job on how can we put a good project management methodology? How can we put a, a good operational uh, excellence methodology? How, mm -hmm. how can we make sure that we actually deliver those objectives? And, and sometimes we do, but we, we don't really do change management very well. So we don't really... Um, help our people adapt to change quickly or, mm -hmm. or properly for us to reach that that uh, that end state. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that makes perfect sense. But I want to challenge you a bit on the change management topic um, mm -hmm. because this is a topic that comes up all the time in our mm -hmm. conversations. Um, it is probably the go-to answer when I ask, "Well, what went wrong?" Um, you know, uh, and that being said, while it is widely recognized as an area of importance, it continues to be underprioritized, underinvested in, um, and under -exec executed. So do you have any tactical advice for this whole concept of creating a culture of change? and managing change well? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there are many concepts for change management. The one I normally use is called ATCAR, mm -hmm. uh, which goes for awareness, desire, knowledge, ability, and then um, uh, reinforcement. Mm -hmm. So when, when we are introducing any change from current state to any future state, uh, the first thing we do is we want to bring awareness to people. Uh, so that's the awareness element. So, and we announce it. We announce this initiative that we want to change, right? Uh, and and you want to hear people saying, "Yes, now I decided to. Now I know what 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 you're doing." Mm -hmm. the next one is desire. So you want to move from just awareness to the people desire to be in that journey, mm -hmm. and you want to hear people saying, "I decided to help," right? Mm -hmm. And then when you reach that point, the next phase is knowledge. You want to provide them with training with coaching, with support to help them cope with that change. So then you will hear something from them like, now I know how to do it. Mm -hmm. Now, the, the, the most important element is that there is a huge difference between knowledge and ability, which is the next phase. Mm -hmm. Now, Sarah, you and I may be the, let's say, the, the last people on earth, and, and may, I may have some issues with my heart. And I will say, Sarah, 
in order for you to save me, I'm going to give you 17 books on how to do an open heart surgery for me. And, and will you be able to operate on me after mm -hmm. reading 17 books? Probably not. Right. You may need like years of practice. Mm -hmm. I would actually be scared to, to have you operating on me. You um, should be. <laughs> <laughs> because you, that ability, that difference between knowledge, like you acquired the knowledge, you already read mm -hmm. 17 books, but there's a huge difference between knowledge and ability. Mm -hmm. That's why we say it, change management is important because you have to go through all those phases. And then of course, data is reinforcement, reinforce that message, reinforce that change. Many, many organizations realize that change management need, like maybe at, like at the 11th hour. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, oh, wait a second, we need to work with our people and we need to bring that adaptability and we need, we need them to gain uh, that change adoption, mm -hmm. um, but probably like too late. So, mm -hmm. uh, so, why investing in people is so important because they are the ones most of the time that are using the system they are the ones are, who are uh, facing customers day every single day mm -hmm. so investing in people increases competitive advantage it ensures happier customers it, it actually solidifies the business growth it increases mm -hmm. the efficiency and in, in work and actually attracts more quality talents i mean good people attract good people so that's why investing in people and, and investing in, in change management will, will, will pay its dividends because you will be able to reach your destination faster and better and, and, and more efficient. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Um, another question I want to ask you related to change management. So you brought up COVID a couple of times. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, that I've noticed is when when COVID first began unfolding, um, I wrote a few articles about how, you know, situationally it was actually sort of increasing open-mindedness and making people more receptive to the idea that we need to change because it was sort of this huge force that came through and, you know, for companies that, um, needed to to quickly adapt right it, it just was something that they changed and then you know i think there was a number of of people that were like hmm, you know we can do it you know um as time went on though another conversation that started to surface is the idea of you know sort of how weary people are at this point right so now that we're you know 15 16 months into this whole thing um, you know, different industries, obviously different regions, you know, the, the journey has looked different for different folks, but the, just the idea that a lot of frontline employees are, are weary, you know, and their COVID has taken its toll on, on them as it has on us all. So the question is, um, with that in mind, you know, how do you continue the necessary journey of change while being conscious of, you know, maybe some of the emotional exhaustion or, or mental burnout of the people that you ultimately need to, to get on board? That's actually a good question uh, as well. I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely something um, that, that businesses are seeing. It's, 
pe people may have lost some loved ones as, as well, and that may have also added some um, some pressure. Uh, and 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 to your point, they're tired. Mm -hmm. Many many people have went through like furloughs, and now they feel the need to go back and think about you know job security and so on and so forth. So I, I feel I mean it is it's always nice to to keep close uh, to your people and kind of hear what they're saying and and what uh, what's what's bothering them what actually what what uh, ideas they may have uh, as well because remember the brightest ideas come from the front line mm -hmm. they're the ones who actually see customers every day they're the ones who actually use the systems and tools every single day mm -hmm. so uh, not the not the executives you know who you know we sit in in, in our offices sometimes we have like that vision visions but if we do not listen to the feedback Right. And that's the, that's the powerful the, the power of data, and 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 I think collecting data, collecting feedback from people would help us understand where to navigate. Whether it is some sort of like, uh, should we train them on like new tools, like mm -hmm. like uh, the 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 um, the science aspect, or is it more about like comforting and more more about maybe just uh, treat, uh, maybe train them and and coach them on the art, which is like how to deal with new different situations. Maybe mm -hmm. it's more about uh, providing them with, um, with, 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 with other, other ways to do their business and, 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 and how they can do it efficiently. I think the, the, the message here is, it, again, remember, it's continuous improvement. We, mm -hmm. uh, many, many, many organizations now post-COVID, uh, and again, remember those are the many, many, successful organizations who were able to bring new tools and techniques and made them so efficient mm -hmm. they're looking back and it's like why we didn't do this before covid like mm -hmm. I, I wonder why we haven't done this now right so now they're thinking about this now post covid uh era it's like you know what we should probably continue doing this like many organizations for example are now utilizing zoom and you know mm -hmm. other other uh, video conferencing tools uh, and maybe not leasing expensive space anymore mm -hmm. because they feel it's, uh, I mean, it, it's unnecessary. Mm -hmm. so, so going back to your original question about the people and how wary they, how wary they are after COVID, um, I, I think it's, it's important to retrospect a little bit and see, you know, how, you know, look at the positive side and think mm -hmm. about, okay, now we're kind of towards the end of that, hopefully that cycle. And now we're, po we're, po we're posing for a new growth, hopefully. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and what that look like, what will be the next phase? Mm -hmm. uh, and let's, let's think about that. Let's think about, uh, let's think forward, but realize mm -hmm. that if soliciting feedback and listening to, to your, your customers, your employees, would, would hopefully uh, help you significantly uh, position your business for success. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. It's just a point I wanted to bring up because I think it is, you know, to your point, you can't, you can't overlook the people part of this, right? And so, you know, depending on the industry, the company, the region, you know, the role, what have you, you know, I think it's important to kind of take that temperature check and just be cognizant of the fact that we as humans have gone through a lot. And so maybe there's an element of this next wave of change where you need to put some effort into re-energizing re or, you know, um, you know, giving people some, some reassurance or, you know, whatever that looks like for your team. Um, so, okay. 
Um, Rias, I wanted to ask, I'm curious your thoughts on the role of technology when it comes to changing to win. Yes, uh, so it's, it's, it's no secret that technology, um, uh, especially, especially over the past 20 plus years, has, has improved significantly. Mm -hmm. And um, everything from a technology perspective really starts with data. Uh, and, and data is kind of, I, you know, I always like to bring that topic because before maybe the internet era, we used data was like so precious. We used to lock those data in our in our offices, and 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 now since we are plugged in, probably there's not so much data that we can hide, mm -hmm. uh, or or we we don't have access to. So, but the problem now there has been an explosion of data, and so what do we do with all this data? So this is kind of where you start from a technology perspective. You probably need to collect the data, whether it's in regards to the, your, your, your current technology that you're using, your competitor, competitor's technology, uh, or your customer's needs, what they want. Uh, it always starts with data. What exactly I need to do based on current benchmarking, where I am compared to my customers, where I am compared to, sorry, compared to competition, compared mm -hmm. to trends compared to customers' expectations and so on and so forth. So after collecting this data, you start to kind of transform this and work on kind of uh, changing from just simple data to information. What does this data tells me? Mm -hmm. So moving from data to information, and then that information would tells me, okay, you may need to move from uh, uh, like servers to cloud. So uh, maybe you need to move from uh, I don't know, uh, like green screens to uh, what we call green, green screens, which is like the old uh, mm -hmm. Microsoft AS400 systems to like the new kind of like maybe Windows or, you know, latest, latest systems. Mm -hmm. That gives us a knowledge. Now the information is now becomes, becomes a knowledge. Now we know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Now the art is using that knowledge for, to, and, 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 and create a wisdom. So mm -hmm. what is what exactly we want to do with it? So now we collected the data, we we formed some information, we now acquired the knowledge. Now we have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. so when we talk about technology, the newer organizations, Sarah, usually are quite nimble. They kind of have the latest and greatest tools and techniques, and they're not they're, they don't have that. Uh, uh, technical debt, we call it like technical mm -hmm, debt, mm -hmm. which is like the old, old kind of uh, codes and systems and solutions right. that are expensive, right? So they are they are able to move quickly and and swiftly between you know you know different demands or market changes and so on and so forth, mm -hmm. versus the uh, fairly older organizations uh, who have you know huge systems in place, right? Uh, they're very they're they're finding it very hard to change that technology that they have to adapt to the newer customer demands right. um, and and customer needs. So sometimes they may have to rip and replace this whole technology, which that journey takes years mm -hmm. of preparation. It's not that easy uh, right. because everything is connected in a kind of most of the time in a kind of spaghetti-like mm -hmm. diagram. Mm -hmm. So the the. The one thing that I think COVID taught us was the roadmap that used to take us 10 years or five years, now we have to do it in months. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of urgency. There's a lot of like, now we are, 
we're doing this as a much accelerated pace mm -hmm. uh, because we probably do not have time. If we do not do this now, uh, new, compet new competitors will potentially eat our market share and will drive us out of business. Mm -hmm. So technology becomes not only an, a need, it becomes a necessity. Mm -hmm. And now you don't have to always have the cutting edge technology because you may not really be able to afford it or you may, it may be very expensive for you. So you have to balance. Do you need to have the Toyota or you need to have the Ferrari? Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of where I guess the business, it depends on the industry. But sometimes you just need a vehicle to move you from point A to point B. And sometimes you, you may actually need that higher cutting edge technology. But become technology becomes becomes not only a need, it becomes a necessity mm -hmm. and position you for, for success in, in, the, in the new era. Yeah, I like the point you made about, you know, a lot of the newer, more innovative by nature companies have less of sort of a technological legacy to overcome, right? So they're starting fresher in that regard, which makes it easier to iterate and continue to modernize versus someone who's you know, trying to do this wholesale um, upgrade to, you know, current times and then go from there. Um, okay. All right. So we're almost out of time. I just want to talk about one last point, which is, you know, we were talking at the beginning about sort of um, the we've always done it this way mentality and breaking out of that, right? And, and we talked a lot about the recognition that it's time to change. Um, but the reality for 2021 and beyond is that it is never not time to change, right? So it's not, this isn't a situation where you break out of that mindset once, you chart the path, you walk the path, and then you are done with it. And that's that, right? This is really a more ongoing um, situation at this point. So talk about that and you know what you advise in terms of having that continuous improvement mindset and looking at this less as you know a project and more a state of mind i guess yeah an excellent point so so i i highly um, recommend that the strategy also becomes a little bit fluid. I mean, it depends on what's going on. Sometimes you may set a five-year strategy, which is good, but sometimes things happen and you may need to adjust mid-course a little bit and adjust your roadmap based on things that happen. Mm -hmm. So this continuous improvement, sometimes you, you, and that's why, I mean, there's this agile kind of mindset, which is like, okay, let's, let's go through it iterative uh, delivery. Let's not, you know, keep stuck in this. Okay, we set that strategy for five years. Now this is good. I'm not saying this is not good, mm -hmm. but sometimes things happen, and when things happen, you may want to adjust mid-course a little bit in order to hit that bullseye. Mm -hmm. uh, and and the thing is, my recommendation to is to always stay close to customers, mm -hmm. understand your market needs, understand your what your what the customers are saying what they are demanding what's the new who are the new players in the market you may probably not know unless you 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 start learning from customers mm -hmm. you may you may need 
to reevaluate your own processes and your own technologies and your own um, kind of way, way your people are dealing with customers based on, based on feedback that you're getting from customers. Now, again, sometimes you, you may get an overwhelming uh, feedback. Uh, you just need to filter exactly what, what actually makes sense to your business. You may sometimes need to draw the, some, some sort of like customer journey for like your customers, starting from the need or want or awareness, all the way through like research and consideration, purchase, maybe returns, maybe disposal, and then maybe advocate advocate or promote of your service and, mm -hmm. and, and products. So the point here that I'm trying to say is try to stay close to your customers, listen to them very well. Try to stay close to your employees and also listen to them very well. Mm -hmm. Have a good, good strategy that that you set in mind and at the same time, make sure that you always, maybe every year or so, uh, try to kind of revisit that strategy and see if actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then as you as you go along, make sure that you have that delivery mechanism because that that kind of, you know, we wanna make sure that you are advancing uh, and, 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 and towards that strategy, whether that strategy is organic or inorganic, what, you, what exactly you're trying to achieve and, and then how you're going to achieve that. And, and, and then, as I mentioned, that continuous improvement mindset is based on continuous feedback that you get throughout your journey from your customers, from your employees, and try and make sure that you are actually hitting, hitting that, that, that mark. Um, so if we continue to realize that we always need to kind of think strategically and think about how we can get out of that comfort zone to that growth zone. And uh, during that path, we, we realize the, the feedback or we reevaluate the feedback and we change mid-course and then we actually capitalize on certain things. I think generally speaking, you will be able or those businesses will be able to be positioned for success and realize sustainable competitive advantage. It's not only periodic competitive advantage, but sustainable competitive advantage. That makes sense. Rias, let folks know where they can learn more about you and where they can find the book, Change to Win. Yeah, so they can always go to riasattar.com, R-I-A-S-A-T-T-A-R.com, or they can find the book on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, um, 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 on Target, like any, any, anywhere. They can just Google Change to Win Rias Attar and they will find it uh, anywhere there. They can, they can also reach out to me on LinkedIn, uh, or through my website, uh, www.sayaplus.com, S-A-Y-A-plus-P-L-U-S.com as well. Um, okay. they, you're more than, more than welcome to answer any, any questions or, 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 uh, or thoughts. Excellent. Well, I appreciate you being here very much. Thank you. Um, thank you for, for sharing some tidbits. And everyone, be sure to, uh, to say hello to Rias on LinkedIn and also to check out the book. Um, in the meantime, you can find more content by visiting us at futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on uh, LinkedIn as well as Twitter at the Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more about IFS by visiting ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.